Happy are the peacemakers. You are the salt and light. Be happy in Jesus. Where in the world? Can you find peace? Where in the world can you find peace? Last weekend, a two-year-old boy named Aiden McCarthy celebrating a 4th of July celebration parade with his parents in Highland Park, Chicago. His mom and dad, Kevin and Arena, bring him, and that day... He goes home, a two-year-old orphan. Both of his parents' lives snuffed out by a crazed gunman. And we saw a multitude of events over the last weekend that just remind us that this place in which we live and our feet walk is a place of uncertainty and often a place of great anxiety. It is a place of restlessness and it is a place where godlessness needs, is, is shown. And there is this need for a spiritual life. And yet so many have lost their moral compass. So can we find peace here? Well, Jesus gave us a, not only a word but a challenge that we are to be people who share peace. So take your Bibles with me this morning and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 9 as we pick up and continue through the Beatitudes and think about happy or blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. With that, let's, let's pray. And God, would you speak to us about being peacemakers? May we experience peace so we can express peace. Fill our lives with peace so that we can overflow and touch our neighbors and the nations. In your name, amen. As we think about the time preceding Jesus' coming and the time that Jesus landed here on the earth, it really was a, these were times of, of desperation for many in Israel. Longing for a Messiah to show up. Then Jesus, when he comes, is under Roman domination and Israel is being oppressed. And yet something we find through the ministry of Jesus, that his ministry is marked by peace. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, some 700 years before Jesus would even come to the earth, Isaiah would prophesy that there would be one who would be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. When Jesus showed up on the earth, it tells us that the angels came that night and in Luke chapter 2 in verse number 14, they had a, a message as they were proclaiming the Messiah's birth. 
that the angels appeared and they were sore afraid, but the angels cried out and said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth. When Jesus was eight days old, he was taken to the temple. And in Luke 2, 29 through 30, an older man who had been promised by the Lord that he would see the Messiah before he died would take Jesus and I can imagine this picture of Simeon holding Jesus up and he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Jesus, for this old man, brought peace. In Mark chapter 4, when the disciples are with Jesus and, and there's this raging torment of a storm upon the sea, Jesus would proclaim, peace! Be still. And would a woman with an issue of bleeding who had exhausted all of her money would come to Jesus and touch just the hem of his robe. He would say, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Even as Jesus walked with his disciples for the three years and they were in the upper room, in John 14, 27, Jesus would say, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives peace. And when Jesus would come back from the dead, in John 20, 21, he would declare to his disciples, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Peace is not found in a circumstance or a situation, but peace is found in a person. As Ephesians 2.14 reminds us, He Himself is our peace. And now, as believers, we are challenged in this passage to be peacemakers. That as we have experienced peace, we are to share peace so that we can be called and resemble the God who now calls us his son. So let's think about this. If I am called to be a peacemaker, then, then the first thing I have to do is really experience peace. So, so for us, as we think about that call on our life, we have to embrace the opportunity to experience peace. As we think about this picture of peace, peace, again, is not found in a situation or a circumstance. It's not found in a paycheck or a piece of property or a new car. It's not found in a new relationship. It's just not found any of those places. But the Bible reminds us that we have promises that bring peace. And so we are to cling to the promises. How can we find peace in this world? Cling to the promises. So let's think and walk through the scripture and tell us that the scripture tells us where we can find peace in this world. First off, the Bible tells us that peace comes through salvation. Peace comes through salvation. Romans chapter five and verse number one says, therefore being justified by faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our biggest issue in life is that we'll never experience peace on this level if we've not experienced peace on this level. And so the challenge is, is that I've got to experience peace with God. And that, again, only comes through Jesus, through recognizing that I am a sinner, that Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment or to pay the penalty for my sin. And he rose again from the dead and now offers me the free gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sin, and peace with him. So the picture is, is peace comes through salvation. Secondly, we find peace comes through Jesus Christ. In, in John 14, 27, I just mentioned to you that Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, they have been following him. They know something's up. They, they, he's told them he's going to go away. He, they, they're wondering what's going to happen. There's great, great uh, sense of anxiety. So Jesus starts in John 14 and says, let not your heart be troubled. And then in John 14, 27, he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Peace is found in a person. That's what Ephesians 2.14 drives home in our life. He himself is our peace. Thirdly, we find that peace comes through the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 was one of the verses that we uh, looked at in our Bible study this morning. And it reminds us that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and then peace. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings peace. Again, it's not that everything on the outside of my life works out well so that I can have peace on the inside. No, through my relationship with God in salvation, through my walk with Jesus, through the filling of the Spirit, I experience peace on the inside that changes how I live on the outside. Peace comes through the Holy Spirit. Then peace comes through God's Word. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. Great peace have those who love your law. And then peace comes as we focus on God. Let me give you an Old Testament verse and a New Testament verse. The Old Testament verse is found in Isaiah 26, 3, where it says, Thou will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Our mind is stayed, it's focused. I like the way that the King James or the the new King James shares it. Our mind is stayed, it's sat, it's focused, it's set, it's staying there. And when I go through challenges of life, I keep my focus set. It stays on the Lord. Then let me give you a New Testament verse. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the God of peace, or, and the peace of God that passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What does he say? God's peace comes as we pray and we lift our requests to him. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. And don't we often get that backwards? We're anxious about everything and we pray about nothing. And the Lord tells us, look, pray about everything and worry about nothing. 
Listen, as we think about the focus of God on our life, think about what he's brought you through. Think about the physical challenges some of you had, the sickness and illnesses and surgeries that you faced, the cancer diagnosis that you've been through. Think about the financial challenges that you've been through. Think about the relational struggles and the family struggles and all of those difficult things that you've been through. And you look back and you think, God, you've been faithful. God, you've been faithful. God, you've been faithful. God, you've been faithful. Then you stand up at this trial today and you're filled with anxiety because you're focusing all on the difficulty around you not on the God who has seen you through so many times before. Like Peter, when he was told to step out of the boat. Now remember, we sometimes pick on Peter for for beginning to sink in the water, but he was the only one of the disciples that was willing to step out of the boat. So he steps out of the boat and he is there standing on the water. And then in, in probably a gust of wind or a wave, he loses focus and he cries out, Lord, save me. But when his focus was set, there was peace. Can I challenge you today? I don't know what's going on in your life. I can tell you this. We live in a world that is full of uncertainty and anxiety, and you're not going to find peace anywhere else but in him. So, peace comes as we cling to the promises. But then we also need to remain on the path of peace. We cling to the promises of peace, and then we remain on the path of peace. There's a great verse over in Colossians 3.15, and it says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That the picture is, is let the peace of Christ be an umpire. I love to fish, but I talk more about fishing or watch fishing more on TV than I actually fish. Uh, our summer's been so crazy with quarantines and COVIDs, and, and uh, I've not even been able to fish with my dad yet this summer. But in, in professional, you know, major league fishing, there is not only a fisherman that's on the boat and often a cameraman, but in each of the boats, there's an official, a referee, an umpire kind of guy. And what he does is, is if when you're pulling the fish in and that fish hits the bottom of the boat, then you have a two-minute penalty where you can't fish. They've made this, I mean, they've turned this into a big, big-time sport, all right? So, and, and the official is there as you weigh it to make sure that everything is correct and proper. So, so I, I've, I've watched these fishing shows before, and, and as they're bringing the fish in, he, he said, careful, don't let it touch. What's he doing? He's, he's umpiring. And for us in our life today, the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, let me be your umpire. Let the peace of Christ be your umpire. Hey, don't step over here. Hey, you don't, don't say that. Don't do that. Don't harbor that bitterness. Don't hold on to that anxiety. There's something that you need to let go of. There's something that you need to repent of. There is this issue in our life that we have to remain on the path of peace by letting the peace of Christ rule, umpire in our hearts so that every day as I'm walking along. I'm experiencing the peace of Christ as I walk in order. And then I get out of bounds and he says, up, that's wrong. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't continue on that path. So we have to embrace the opportunity to experience peace. Let me tell you over the last couple of years. And as I looked at statistics last night, they're rather mind blowing. The amount of anxiety that has taken place since March of 2020 has really gone, gone out of the roof. 
you think of many people struggling with uh, deep onset anxiety. Some of that is physiological. And can I tell you that the, a doctor can prescribe medicine to help calm your anxiety, but a doctor can never prescribe anything that gives you peace. There's only one who can do that. His name is Jesus. And if you have to be on anxiety medicine, obviously physiologically things are, 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 are not right. Understand, I'm not, I'm not speaking against that at all. I'm just saying that, that they might be able to lessen anxiety, but there's only one who can provide peace in our life. His name is Jesus. And so look to him and focus on him and stay in God's word and keep your life rooted and keep on that path where the peace of Christ is ruling in your heart. So after we embrace that opportunity to experience peace, then we've got to, to, to move on because he says, blessed are the peacemakers. So we have to embrace the ministry then to express or share this peace with others. We have to embrace this ministry now that says, blessed are the peacemakers, the people who go out and share peace. If you would look, one of the Puritan writers I read, he said, you know, if you look at this passage, blessed are the peacemakers, he would say, you can turn that around and say, cursed are the peace breakers. Those that are constantly going around, stirring up dissension and sowing discord. Watch out for them. Matter of fact, in Proverbs 6, 16 to 19, it tells us the things that the Lord hates. And the very last one on his list is those who sow discord among the brethren. We are called to be peacemakers so what does it mean to embrace this ministry of sharing peace? When I am seeking to be a peacemaker, I am trying to bring people first into a relationship with God. I'm trying to bring them into to this walk with God. Helping people find peace means introducing them to the Lord. Now notice as we think through the, the Beatitudes just for a moment. Let's walk back through them. He says, blessed first are the pure in heart. He's dealing internally. Blessed are those who mourn, internal. Blessed are the meek, internal. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, internal. Then he says, blessed are the merciful. That's external. That's something that we do. Then he says, uh, I, I messed up. Blessed are, are uh, the, the poor in spirit, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Then blessed are the pure in heart. He moves back inward again. And then he moves back out and says, blessed are the peacemakers. Now notice, all of these have been internal. Poor in spirit, mourn, meek, hunger and thirst, pure in heart. Those are all internal. What are the two ones that show on the outside? Those who show mercy and those who share peace. Understand what Jesus is driving home here. That we internally have to have our hearts set, but it shows externally as we show mercy and as we share peace. That's what Jesus is getting to. And so as we think about our life, why am I here? Let me tell you why you're here. If God wanted you to have a life of perfect peace, he'd just take you to heaven. If God wanted you to have a perfect life, 
around the throne, he'd just take you to heaven. Let me tell you why you're here. Show mercy. Share peace. Why are you here? Show mercy. Share peace. Peacemakers help people come to peace with God. That means that they are people who are on mission. This is a missional adventure. We're not here for our own pleasure. We're not here to gather up possessions and pass down an inheritance. We're not here to merely uh, get married, raise kids, get them out of the house after they get through college and and then enjoy grandparenthood or great-grandparenthood and hopefully retire one day. God has a plan for our life, and while we are here, we are to be people who show mercy, share peace. Don Richardson, not our Don Richardson up in the, in the booth, he, Don Richardson up here grew, grew up on the mission field in Africa. His dad was a medical doctor. I don't know if you knew that or not. But Don Richardson and his wife, Carol, were missionaries to New Guinea in the 1960s. And they went to a tribe called the Sowies. This was a tribe that was in this area, and there were lots of different Sawi villages. And these villages just kept fighting with each other. And Don Richardson, as he's trying to share the message of Jesus and trying to get these villages to live at peace, these are their own family. This is one tribe. I mean, they're, they're just fighting village to village. As he's seeking... To, to find peace, he hears the story. And listen to the story he hears. If one village will bring a male baby boy to this village over here and present that baby, then for as long as that, that boy lives, these two villages will be at peace with each other. So he began to share and use that as a tool to share the message of Jesus that God had sent his son and now his son lives forever so that we can have peace with God and peace with each other. The picture is, is he wrote a book in 1972 called Peace Child. It's a wonderful missions book. And as he wrote this story called Peace Child, he shared how this story from these ancient, or from these tribes, these Sawi tribes in New Guinea in the 1960s, finally came to a place of embracing salvation and understanding peace when in their own tradition, if they would bring a male from one village to the other and present that male, that baby boy, then the villages would live at peace. In 1972, when he wrote the book, Peace Child, it was what had happened in the 1960s. If you YouTube, you can go and look up Peace Child. And in 2012, Don Richardson and his, two of his sons went back to New Guinea. And you know what they found? A vibrant, believing community. You know what else they found? For the first time, he said, I've seen old men. Because no one lived to be old because they were constantly fighting with each other. Men that were his age as he went back, a retired missionary, who had walked with Jesus all of these years and had shared Jesus and made an impact. 
Can I tell you, we understand the message of the peace child, that God sent his son into the world so that we could ultimately have peace and be reconciled to him. So that 2 Corinthians 5.20 reminds us that now we are ambassadors of Christ and we are sharing the message of peace with others who do not know him. So whether we need to go across the street to our neighbors or we go across to the nations, some of you in your life, you need to think, hey, God, are you speaking to me about this message? Some of you just, in your life, God may be saying, look, there's a neighbor or a family member I'm laying on your heart. You need to go share Jesus with him. He can know peace. Some of you, as we look in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 2, where Jesus prays for those to go, laborers to go into the harvest, some of you today, need to begin to say, Lord, do you want me to go? Lord, do you want me in ministry? Lord, do you want this to be my vocation? Lord, do you want me to invest my life into showing mercy, sharing peace, and helping people come to know Jesus and grow in their spiritual life? Blessed are the peacemakers. And once we come to peace vertically, then we can share that peace with others on that horizontal level. But unfortunately, as we know, Jesus, the one who said, blessed are the peacemakers, didn't find peace with everyone. Jesus was ultimately betrayed and crucified and put on the cross. But Romans 12 tells us this, as much as it is possible, as much as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God calls us to live at peace. They may not like it because we hold to Jesus as our Savior, because we hold the moral authority of Scripture. There are people who are going to hate you and persecute you. Matter of fact, he's going to deal with that next, uh, next set of verses. You're going to be persecuted even when you try to make peace. But go anyway. We experience peace. Then we embrace that opportunity to share peace. Thirdly, we embrace the dignity of being one of those peacemakers, peace sharers, as he calls us his sons. Notice what it says in, in this passage again. We embrace the dignity of promoting this peace. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. They'll be called sons. He doesn't word use just throw out the Greek word techna for child. He uses a word son, a word of affection and devotion. My pastor died. The pastor that, uh, that I surrendered to ministry under in, in the 1980s and then served on staff in the 1990s. Uh, he died on July the 1st. He had been the pastor at First Baptist Church of Arnold from 1976 to 2006. His name is Gerald Davidson. He's a great man of God. Gave me great opportunities. And I went to the funeral on Wednesday for, for this dear friend and brother and mentor in my life. And I saw his son. I haven't seen his son in 30 years. But his son was the same age that his dad was when I was serving there. And can I tell you, he looked 
exactly like him. Before the funeral, I saw a little girl next to her grandma. I know her grandma well. She taught science next to my mom. And I looked down at this little little girl, and I spoke to the, the grandma and said, she looks exactly like your daughter did when she was that age. And then her daughter came up, and obviously the little girl was with her mom. And I said, she looks exactly like you. I haven't seen her in 30 years, but just a cute little fair complexion, hair pulled back, same color hair. Exactly how I remember this girl in kindergarten, first grade, when she was in children's ministry. Her daughter looked exactly like that. Matter of fact, I said, I just can't keep, I I just can't stop looking at her. She looks so much like you. I can't believe it. The reason that we are called children or sons of God is because we look a lot like the Father. We look a lot like Jesus when we're a peacemaker. We look a lot like him. I wonder, are you bearing that resemblance of the Lord in your life as you show mercy and share peace? Are you, are you bearing that resemblance After the funeral, I went to lunch with my, my brother uh, was at the funeral and my sister and my mom and dad, and we all went to have lunch together. And just sitting across the table from my dad, obviously just being at a funeral, I thought, how blessed I am to sit at the table with the guy who calls me son. I'd like to think he calls me son because I'm so bright, but I don't think it's S-U-N. I think it is S-O-N. So anyway, how blessed I am to sit at the table with the guy who calls me son. But the Bible tells me, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the sons of God. A place of great dignity and honor, but a place that calls us to great resemblance. With that, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to be peacemakers. Lord, if there's anyone here who's never experienced the peace of having their sin forgiven, they've never experienced the peace of knowing they have eternal life, they've never experienced the peace of being free from the fear of death. Lord, today, may they come and know Jesus and experience peace. And then, Lord, for those of us who do know you, may we be people who share peace. Because you tell us, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called your sons. So, Lord, if you've laid a neighbor on our heart, a family member on our heart, maybe you've laid a minute call to ministry on our heart or a call to the nations on our heart, God, would you speak to us in the name of Jesus? Thank you, Lord, for speaking.